This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Amen. All right. Who's enjoying this nice weather the last couple of days, people? Come on. Oh, Cindy, you love it. Stop that. Knock it off. Cindy loves it more than anybody. All right. It's been beautiful and it can only mean one thing that it's the most wonderful time of the year. Amen. We're looking at Christmas in the next few weeks. And so I just want to remind you before we get into the message that there is a lot of Christmas events at this church this year. I, my head is spinning at how many there are. But this Friday night is an amazing one. And that's for the uh, the Lift Marrieds uh, Christmas get together. So. Uh, you can RSVP. There's a link on the Facebook page there. But there's free child care, man. Come on. How often do you get offered a, a free date night, free child care and everything? That Hey, if you're like me and you have a bunch of little kids, that's a good deal. You hop all over that. So tonight's, or Friday night's going to be a really great one. I encourage you to be at that. And uh, lots of other great things going on. All right, well, let's get into tonight's message. The title is this, Staring at the Invisible. Staring at at the invisible. And that sounds like a contradiction. That sounds like an oxymoron. But I've got a few verses that I need uh, to explain this to you tonight. But listen, every single person in this room, every single person in this planet, we all face things at different times that we would rather not face, right? Or have you? has every day of your life just been easy street so far? Anyone? No, we've all had a couple of them, at least, that it wasn't exactly what we thought it was going to be. But a lot of times we have distractions from the enemy that are coming to take your focus, to take your attention and cause you to look the wrong way. And you have to be very cautious in this life as to where your focus is. Because I'm telling you, wherever you maintain your vision, that's the direction your life is going to go. In fact, the book of Proverbs says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And so, uh, and what is it? Proverbs 4.23 tells us that you got to guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. And, and I know this much, even when you're driving a car down the road, have you ever noticed if you start staring on something out the window that way, you don't even mean to, but your whole, your everything, just you start going the direction that your eyes are on. And it's very, very important for us as a New Testament Christian to guard where our vision and our focus is, because that's the direction that your life's going to be. If you just focus on bad all the time, listen, you can expect some negative things to come down the pike towards you. Amen. But if you've got your focus in the right direction, God's got your back. And so we're going to look at a few things here tonight that I believe are going to really minister to you. There's a couple of verses that I'm going to share that have absolutely ministered to me in my life many, many times. So let's go ahead and pray, and we're going to get into this. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you so much that we have a, a great church that we can come into, Lord, and hear your word. Lord, that we can be surrounded God, by, by our brothers, by our sisters, by our family, Lord, and encourage each other and, and lift each other up. And God, I pray in the name of Jesus that as we study your word, Lord, that you're going to speak to every single person here. Lord, I ask you to encourage us. I ask you to challenge us to step up to a higher level, Lord, and correct us where we need corrected, Lord. I just, I thank you that you're going to meet every need that we have in this, in this service, Lord. We praise you for it. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. All right. The first thing is this. Number one, don't focus on the problem. 
Don't focus on the problem. Now, that's not to say, you know, be in denial and say that there is no problem. Some, hey, you got to realize that there is a problem sometimes, but I'm not going to put my 100% of my focus on that. Okay, and so let me show you something here in Second Corinthians chapter four, and we're going to look at verse 18, Second Corinthians four, verse 18. Amen. And we're going to look at this in the in the NLT here, Second Corinthians four, verse 18. But there's a whole lot of people that they are just absolutely focused. They all of their attention, all of their resources, everything is on the problem, man. Anybody can do that. But what we need is some people that are willing to look at the solution. Amen. I don't like when people just bring problems to me. It's nice when you come and say, hey, there's a problem. But hey, I've got the solution right here already. And here's what needs to happen. But Second Corinthians 418, it says, so we don't look at the troubles we see now. We don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. What? What did he just say? He said, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. And have you realized that? That so far in life, things that maybe seem like just an absolute mountain, things that seemed huge a couple of years ago, you're like, that wasn't really that big of a deal. I don't know what I was tripping out of, but that wasn't that big of a deal. Or even better yet, who can remember back to high school and junior high? Weren't there things back then that just seemed like monumental, like your earth was shaking because they were so bad? And now you look back and you're like, wow, I, that really wasn't that big of a deal. I mean, <laughs> that wasn't that, it wasn't that bad. But no matter what our situation is in life, you gotta realize, man, that everything that you see is temporary at best. Every good thing in this life, it's temporary. Every bad thing that you face is temporary. Because either my faith is going to change and move that mountain, amen? Amen? Or even, even yet, I'm going to heaven someday, so who really cares? Either way, man, it's temporary. And And I think of it this way, you know, sometimes... People are just, again, they're, they're staring, they're focused on the problem. That's about as smart as just staring at the sun all day long. It's going to screw up your vision after a while. You're going to start seeing things, you're going to start, you're going to have little spots before your eyes maybe, I don't know. But, but just staring and focusing at how bad everything is, that's about as dumb as staring at the sun. It's going to screw your vision up after a while, and, and pretty soon you're not going to see anything clearly. And do you know anybody? that they just can't see anything clearly. Everything they see is always negative. Come on, I know people like that. And I want to be honest, that's not a very pleasant person to be around. Where you could say, hey man, look, they, they gave us an extra day off work. Well, you know what that means. I mean, <laughs> I thought it was a nice thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. hey man, did you see it's sunny outside? Did it? Sunny, here we go. Sunny once again. My God, does it get any worse than that? Hey, it's raining today. Of course, every day. Yep, absolutely. Of course it would. On a, on a Wednesday, it would have to rain, wouldn't it? What's wrong with you? But I know people like this. And what's the deal? Their problem is they have focused on problems and troubles for so long that it screwed their vision up in life. And they can't see anything right. Everything they see is bad. Everything they see is negative. 
I was talking to one of my neighbors recently, and he's a, he's a nice enough guy, kind of, sort of. I don't know, not actually, not really. But anyway, he's uh, but he is my neighbor, and, uh, and he's a leader at another fine church. But uh, he was talking about some break-ins that have happened in the vicinity lately and stuff. And I was like, you know, he's a, he's a Christian, so I'm, so I'm like, man, but praise God, we've got the angels of God and the blood of Jesus surrounds us, doesn't it? And he goes, <laughs> literally. <laughs> then he rolled his eyes. A lot of good that's doing. Why would you say that? Come on. And, and he, he's like, yeah, that's doing a lot of good, isn't it? Well, I haven't been robbed, so yeah, it's doing good for me. I don't know about you, brother, but listen to me. Yeah, whenever you are so focused on the negative, whenever you are just so focused on all the troubles in life, that's all you're going to see. And believe me, all of us get it. You don't have to look that far to find something negative in this world, do you? I mean, they, they try to cram it down your throat. And especially in our day and age, when we're surrounded by 24-7 news, 24-7, we give people access to us. It's real easy, real easy. If you do not guard your heart, like Proverbs 4.23 says, it's real easy if you don't guard your heart to really, really get yourself off track in your life. And that's not the way that God wants it to be for you. And so we have to keep the big picture in mind at all times. That may sound like a cliche or generic thing to say, but I'm serious. You need to keep the big picture in mind at all times. So what's the big picture? Well, the big picture is that God is for you. Amen? And if God is for me, who can be against me? Amen? I'm more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. And so I don't care what's going on. I feel bad for people, but I'm not, I don't lose any sleep at night. I wonder, well, they're going to take my money. Are they going to take this? What's going to happen? Who cares, man? Jesus is on my side. I'm not going to lose any sleep about that stuff. But unfortunately, there are a lot of people, a whole lot of people that their gaze is not fixed, as this verse says, on the things that cannot be seen. Their gaze is fixed on all the trouble that we've got going on in this world. And I'm telling you, that will absolutely shipwreck your life. Don't go there. You need to look uh, for, for what God's doing. Amen? Can I get an amen? You need God's doing plenty of good things. I hear the bad stuff that's going on. But, I, man, I know people that are getting raises and promotions right now. I know people that are getting healed of things right now. Amen. I know families that are being restored. I know marriages that are getting back together. Come on. There's a lot of good things going on in this world. There's a lot of good things that God's doing right now. And if and, and if you're too busy looking at everything else, no wonder you would say something like. <laughs> you would do that, wouldn't you? All right. And so, number one, don't focus on the problem. Number two. Focus on God. And I'm being serious. That may sound like, like, like it's not that deep of a revelation, but you better get it. Because oftentimes we could say something as simple as this, and people are like, yeah, man, absolutely, amen. But it needs to be more than just you uh, acknowledging in your mind that you need to focus on God. You need to actually do it. Because there's a lot of simple things like this in Scripture where we all know, yes, I know the Word says, everybody knows that, then why don't we do it? 
our focus needs to be in the right place. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11. Who's glad they're in church tonight? Man, I'm glad I'm in church tonight. Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to look at verse 6. And of course, Hebrews 11 is what we would call the Faith Hall of Fame. And it, it is a beautiful chapter to read. It discusses so many great men and, and women from the Old Testament that absolutely were the heroes of faith. They're the, the dream team of faith. It mentions Moses and Abraham and so many just absolutely amazing faith warriors. But I want to show you something here in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. And it tells us this, and it is impossible to please God without faith. It's and that impossible is a very strong word to use in any situation. But it tells us right there, it's impossible. You cannot please God without faith. Well, why is that? Let's read the rest of this. Because anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. And so it why why is it impossible to please God without faith? Because you can't even believe that he exists without faith. Because none of us have actually seen God. It takes faith to even believe in his existence. And so it says right there, anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists. But I love this last part in that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Or the King James says he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Is there anybody in here tonight that diligently seeks God? You send that. I mean, you're not perfect. We're not perfect. I'm not perfect. But we're diligently seeking God. We're sincere about it. We're man. We're in here. We're following God. We're giving him everything that we've got. Listen, he rewards those who sincerely and diligently seek him. That's good news for you tonight. If you're in here and you're you're legit, you are sincerely seeking God. That's good news for you right there. He rewards those that sincerely seek him. But let's look at verse 27. Same chapter. Verse 27. And so it gets down here to discussing the life of Moses. And we actually, we took a very good look at Moses on Sunday. And I encourage you, I was listening to that myself earlier this morning. But uh, but all the messages, man, free. Go online, go to the iTunes. I mean, you can listen to as much word as you want. I'm telling you, you as, as, as sometimes negatively as our modern conveniences are used, there's a lot of good that can come out of those. Talking about focusing on the good, man. Do you realize the access to preaching that you have, to the Word of God that you have? I love listening to preaching. Love it. And I'm not just talking about, from our church, I listen to it, but I listen to preaching for hours and hours a day. And you're like, nerd alert. No, I'm serious, man. It's awesome that you can listen. You can get that into it. I go to sleep with it. I wake up to it, man. The Word of God is a beautiful, precious thing. And so take advantage of stuff like that. But Hebrews 11 and verse 27, it says, It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt. And Yeah, it was. Not fearing the king's anger. Look at this, though. This is an amazing sentence right here. It says, He kept right on going... Because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. He kept his eyes on the one who is 
invisible. I absolutely love that statement. I love that, that, that sentence right there. Because that, that, that's almost mind-blowing. How do you keep your eyes on something that's invisible? And, and, and that's why so many people, after a while, they're like, well, I mean, I, I've been trying. I, I don't know. I, I'm not seeing anything different yet. You've got to keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. Amen? And, and it says right here that Moses, it was by faith that he even left the land of Egypt. It was by faith that he was able to do what he did because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. Now, to somebody in this world, they'd read something like that and say, see, I knew you all were crazy. I knew you guys were, you're nuts. Like, we're not nuts. I think you're nuts. I'm talking about this. I'm talking about if you're a born again Christian, this doesn't sound crazy to you at all. If you're a, if you are a child of God, this makes perfect sense how you could keep your eyes on the one who is invisible. Because we realize that the eyes that this is talking about, it's not the two things on the front of your head right here. It's talking about the eyes of your heart. It's talking about your spirit. And until you realize that you as a human are made of three parts, you'll never understand things like this. You'll have a really hard time understanding much of the word of God at all. But you realize that you are made in the image of God according to Genesis 1.26, right? He made man in his image. Well, how, how, what, how is God? Well, there's a lot of things, but, but one thing about God is he's a trinity. He's a three-part being, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And so no wonder he made people to be a three-part being also. Spirit, soul, and body. You are a trinity. You're not the holy trinity, but you are a triune three-part being made in the image of God. You're the spirit soul and body but the issue is 99 percent of people they don't get that revelation they think that they're this they think that they that that they're they're what you can see on the outside that's the real you that is that's part of you but the real you is on the inside the spirit and the spirit is the one that that either lives forever in heaven or obviously dies eternally in hell depending on the decision that somebody made about Jesus. But listen to me. When you read something like this, you realize that it's not talking about these things. It's talking about your spirit. And Proverbs 4.23, I, I quote this verse all the time, but listen to me. It says to guard your heart. What's your heart? Is it talking about the blood pump in your chest? No, it's not talking about the organ. It's talking about your spirit. In the Word of God, most of the time when you see heart, it's talking about the Spirit. And it says to guard it more than anything else. Now, I know a lot of people, they'll, they'll go to great lengths to guard their money. They'll go to great lengths to guard their house and their property and their car. They'll put alarms on it. They'll, they'll do all sorts of things to guard their stuff. But they don't put any effort into guarding their heart. They just throw it out there for anybody and everybody to trample all over, to put their filth into, to, to, to stab and, 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 to, and to do all sorts of things. They don't do it. They don't guard it at all. But they'll guard their money. They'll guard their house. And the word of God says the exact opposite. Guard your heart more than you would guard anything else. Because that's going to determine the course of your life. And so it says right here, how was Moses so successful? Because he kept his eyes, he kept his heart, he kept his spirit focused on Jesus, on the one who is invisible. Now for us, 
You may think, well, yeah, of course, everybody knows that. But I could ask you, where is your focus? Honestly, if you had to be honest with yourself, where is the majority of your focus at in life? What is having the most say-so in how you make your decisions in life? How are your decisions governed? Are they governed by the Word of God? By what Jesus would do and say? Or are they governed by what, well... I really think that this would make me happiest. I think this, I feel, this this feels good. I, what is it that, that's driving you? What is it that's actually calling the shots in your life? Is it the one who is invisible? Or is it, well, th- this looks nice to me. She looks good. Uh, he looks, what, what is it? But Moses was so successful. Abraham, David, Gideon, all these guys. What was their secret? Well, it wasn't a secret. They kept their eyes on the one who is invisible. Let me show you something here in Matthew chapter 14, because even Jesus himself gave us a great example in this regard. Matthew chapter 14. Amen. Matthew 14. And here's a story of Jesus, because Jesus knew while he was on this earth where to keep his focus. Matthew chapter 14. And I'm telling you, when you are in a bad situation, you better know where to keep your focus. You better know what to look at. You better know where to turn your eyes. And here we have Jesus in a very difficult situation. And I'm going to read the whole story, but I'm going to point something out to you in the end. So Matthew chapter 14, and we'll look here at starting at verse 15 through verse 21. And here's the story of Jesus feeding 5,000. 5,000 men, of course, not that doesn't include the women and children, so we could easily be talking about 10,000 or more people. But here we go, Matthew 14 and verse 15. It says, That evening the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, That's not necessary. You feed them. They're like, What? That is not what they were expecting. They expected... We'll just go and dump this problem in Jesus' lap. And he's like, no, it's okay. Don't send him away. You feed him. Oh, my gosh. I mean, what are you going to do here? But we only have five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Well, bring him here, he said. Then he told the people to sit down on the grass. And Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up toward heaven, and blessed them. The breaking loaves into pieces, he gave bread to the disciples who distributed to the people. They all ate as much as they wanted Hallelujah! I grew up in a big family. We like to eat as much as we want. I'm sorry. You should see our house at Thanksgiving. It's kind of, it's with all, with all my brothers, it gets, it's weird. But anyway, but it's nice to eat. They all ate as much as they wanted. Hallelujah. And afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. That's good news. About 5,000 men were fed that day in addition to all the women and children. But what I want to show you here is something a few verses up. Now, no, they bring the problem to Jesus and Jesus has all eyes on him. Now, that's kind of a pressure situation when you kind of stuck your neck out there and said, all right, fine, bring me the stuff. We're going to take care of this right here. But I want to show you something here, uh, something that Jesus said, actually not something that Jesus said, but something that he did in verse 19. He took what he had. He took the bread and took the fish. And then he looked up to heaven. 
looked at him, and you're like, well, that doesn't sound that significant. Do you realize that he could have taken it and stared at the crowd? Oh, oh they're right. I, only, I do only have a couple fish, and there are 10,000 people here. Uh, and that's what most of us would do. Golly, Gomer, I need $5,000, but I've only got two. Oh, man, that's what we do. We look at what little we have, and then we look at how big and insurmountable the problem is. But Jesus does not do that. He looks at, okay, all right, we got this. Then he looks up to heaven, and he changes his focus entirely. This is not the only place that Jesus, when he raised Lazarus from the dead, he ignored everybody else, and he looked toward heaven. Well, is that just an insignificant little thing in Scripture? I don't believe it is. I believe that Jesus was giving us an example that, hey, when you're surrounded by trouble, when you're surrounded by a really big problem, you need to change your focus, and you need to, you need, your focus needs to be on heaven, not on the problem. Because when you're focused on the problem, it's real easy to talk yourself out of faith. And right here, Jesus himself changed his focus. And when, you, and, and when you're a person like that, things don't seem that bad. There's no problem in this world that seems insurmountable because you're like, oh, wow, okay, I need 5,000. I've already got two. Praise God, I only need 4,998 more. And we know Jesus has that. Yes, I'm right where I want to be. Hallelujah. But, but if you can't focus on heaven, you're never going to have that outlook. You're never. You're always going to be the guy that says, I don't want to do it again, but some, <laughs> you're going to be that guy that somebody's going to say, but God said, and you're, a little, yeah, a lot of good that's doing. It's getting worse by the, it's bad. You think it's bad now, it's going to get worse. And people say stupid things like that because their focus is not on heaven. Their focus is on the problems surrounding them. And I don't need to hang out with people like that. And that may sound rude, but I don't need those people on my friend. I need people that know how to stare at the invisible. I know people that know how to keep their eyes on the unseen one. I know people, I need people that are able to ignore all the trouble around them and say, it's okay. God's on our side, man. We've got this. This is right where we want it to be. This is perfect. This is beautifully set up for an amazing testimony. This is awesome. We couldn't ask for anything better than this. What's your outlook on life? And so the third thing I'm going to say is this, number three. So we said focus on God, but I believe where a lot of Christians also miss it is number three, you legitimately do need to focus on heaven. For real. I mean, I mean, I mean that in a very real way. Because I believe a lot of Christians really do lose sight of the fact that we are going to heaven someday. And I think a lot of us lose sight of the fact that heaven's a real place. Who's excited about going to heaven? I mean, I'm, I, I legitimately get excited about this. That I, I legitimately start to think about heaven, and I get super excited, man, because it is a real place. It's real. And it's so easy, even as children of God, even as sons and daughters of God, for us to lose focus of this. But everything around us, everything you see, is so temporary. It will not be here very much longer. But we will be in heaven. And and so there's a lot to say about this. But, but I want you to look at Colossians chapter 3. And I'm going to read this in the Living Bible. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians 3. 
And C.S. Lewis said, if you read history, you'll find that the Christians who did the most for the present world were those who thought the most of the next. Like, amen. If you've got heaven on your mind, you're going to tell people about Jesus. We're not going to have to bribe you and twist your arm and push you out the door. And you, you need to tell, you need to go witness. No, if you think about heaven very often, you just do it. You just do it. You talk about it. It's what's on your heart. And it's real. It's so real that you want people to go there. But Colossians 3, verses 2 through 3, I'm going to read this, like I said, in the Living Bible. It said, let heaven fill your thoughts. Not well, think, you ought to think about it twice a year, at least at Christmas and Easter. You should no, let heaven fill your thoughts. Don't spend your time worrying about things down here. But what I like here is verse three. It says you should have as little desire for this world as a dead person does. Your real life is in heaven with Christ and God. You should have as little desire for this world as a dead person does. And that may seem like, well, that's pretty extreme, but I think that that's pretty accurate. I think that that's how it really should be. Because there's a lot of people that they've got a lot more desire for this world than they do for heaven. They've got a lot more desire for, for well, man, if I could just get, oh, if I could have the everybody, if I could just get this, man, then I would really be satisfied. And you have to realize that no, you would not. You'll never be fully satisfied until you're in the presence of God, until you're in heaven. But listen to me. It says right here, you should have as little desire for this world as a dead person does. And why is that? Because your real life is in heaven with Christ and God. And you know, we got old songs we sing, this world is not my home, I'm just passing through. That's the truth. That's the truth. This isn't my home. I don't belong here. That's why I'm so weird. That's why you're so, we don't belong here. We're foreigners. We're temporary. This is just, I mean, this is a temporary place for us. We are, we are, we are, our citizenship is in heaven. We are of another kingdom. We are of another place. And that's why we say things that are, that people don't agree with. That's why we do, we don't do the things that they think are fun and cool and happy. We don't do those things because they don't bring us any satisfaction. We belong to a different place. Now, I believe we, get, we can have the joy of the Lord. We can have happiness and peace in this world. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's the will of God. But I'm telling you right now, there should be things that, that everybody else thinks that, oh, this is great. That you should like, man, that, is, that doesn't do anything for me. Nothing. Because I don't belong here. This is not my home. And so let's look at this. We got a couple minutes. Who has a quick, who has a minute to give me to, that you could look at heaven for just like five minutes? With your heart, not with your eyes. Okay, so 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 2 Corinthians 12. But I, I don't think you're a healthy Christian if you don't ever think about heaven. I think, I don't think if you have a pretty consistent, uh, thought life about heaven, I don't see how you could be a healthy Christian. What's your motivation to go and, and, and witness? What's your motivation uh, to go and, 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 and do the work of God. Come on, you gotta think about heaven. So, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, this is a very interesting passage here, uh, because Paul, and this, that's who this is about, it's, it's about Paul himself, but he had an experience where he was caught up to heaven, and he got to witness heaven. 
Now he says, I don't, he doesn't know if it was actually, he was actually there, if he was having a vision. But I want to show you this. 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 2, he says, I was caught up to the third heaven 14 years ago. Well, you realize the Bible, there's three heavens mentioned in the Bible, right? You've got your sky here, that's the heavens. And then you've got outer space, okay? That's the second heavenly realm. But the third heaven, that's actually where God lives. And so he says, I was caught up to the third heaven 14 years ago. Whether I was in my body or out of my body, I, I don't know. Only God knows. Yes, only God knows whether I was in my body or outside my body. But I do know that I was caught up to paradise and heard things so astounding they cannot be expressed in words. Things no human is allowed to tell. And so Paul is saying, I, well, the things that I experienced, things I heard, I saw, I, you can't put words to them. I, I, can, I can't even describe what it was like. There's things that no human is even allowed to tell. And I've heard of, you know, people having visions and ex- legit experiences of heaven. And people have said that the things that you, you can't even explain it. You can't even explain it. They, because there's, there's nothing to compare it to in this world. I've heard that there's colors that don't even exist on planet Earth. So, well, that sounds pretty wild. I believe it. I believe it. I believe so much that heaven is an absolutely real, real place. And I believe I'm going there. And I believe if you ask Jesus into your heart, you're going there. And I believe that I've got loved ones waiting on me and you have loved ones waiting on you. I heard a story about this woman, and I've, I've, I've shared this book a little bit, but there's a book called Imagine Heaven. There's a pastor from Gateway Church in Texas that um, he wrote this book. And he documented, he spent decades doing this, but he interviewed over a thousand people that have either died and been resuscitated, been brought back to life by doctors, or what, or what the medical world would call a near-death experience, an NDE. And these aren't just rednecks that ate too much pizza one night or and the guys that see Elvis and UFOs and stuff that, that we've got doctors, college professors, people that have they 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 could do damage to their reputation by making up stories over a thousand different people that he's interviewed, met, documented and, and, and literally talked to people from all Europe, America, everywhere. People have never met each other and their stories line up. I mean, line upon line in so many areas. And in the legal world, when you've got a thousand different people that give the exact same testimony of something, you'd call that irrefutable evidence. You'd say, well, a thousand people saw the same thing. So, yeah, I mean, we've got and, and but he told one story of this woman who she was had been born blind. She died in a car wreck, though, as an adult. And and the doctors, she was out for, I, I don't know, an hour or so. The doctors pumped her and, and brought her back to life. But she had this vision while she was out of heaven. And and the Lord was showing her different scenes from her life, even from earlier on in her life. Uh, and, and, and she came back and she was telling her family all about it. And they're like, okay, I mean, that's that's cute. And she's like, no. I can tell you guys exactly what you were wearing, what color things were. I can, and, and, and she gave them every detail about what people were wearing, what the sky looked like that day, what everything looked like, and it's impossible. She'd never seen a thing in her entire life. And she, yet she had every detail, and they're like, oh my gosh, what is this? And, th- and that's just one example of dozens and thousands of stories. But what I'm telling you is, heaven's a real place. 
And if you don't ever think about it, something's wrong with you. You need to have heaven on your heart and on your mind. And Paul said, there's things up there that are too wonderful, too, too astounding, too incredible to even put into human words. No human is even allowed to tell about it. Really quick, let's look at Revelation 22. Revelation 22. We're tackling a lot tonight. I get that. But but I, I want to show you this really, really quick. Revelation 22. Because what is it we're talking about? We're talking about where your focus needs to be. We're talking about staring at the invisible, keeping your eyes where they need to be. And my, my object tonight, my goal is to encourage you. If you're facing something, if everything's not just 100% perfect, that's all right. That's okay, man. Because listen to me, your eyes are not on that. Your eyes are on Jesus. Your eyes are on heaven. Revelation 22. We're going to look here at verses 1 through 2. This is, of course, the Apostle John. The Lord gave him this revelation. Here he is, a revelation of heaven. It says, in the, and, and here's just a few details about heaven. Let's look at the river of life. Revelation 22, verse 1. Then the angel showed me a river with the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. It flowed down the center of the main street. On each side of the river grew a tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit with a fresh crop each month. Isn't that incredible? A, different, a, a new fresh crop every single month. The leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. Hallelujah. That's the tree of life. And I'm telling you, it exists. And we're going to see it someday. And another thing about heaven, Revelation chapter 21. Let's just flip back to 21 here. Because Revelation 21 has a lot to say about heaven. Revelation 21, verses 15 through 17. And obviously we aren't covering a whole lot of, uh, of in-depth detail here tonight. But this is just a little bit of something to, to remind you, to refresh you, that heaven is real. Revelation 21, verses 15 through 17. He says, The angel who talked to me held in his hand a gold measuring stick to measure the city its gates, and its wall. When he measured it, he found it was a square as wide as it was long. In fact, its length and width and height were each 1,400 miles. And so we think of a city, we think of Barstow, and okay, it goes seven miles that way, or whatever the case is. But heaven's not like that. It goes 1,400 miles that way, that way, that way, that 1,400 miles in every single direction and then he says then he measured the walls and found them to be 216 feet thick that's a thick wall right there i don't think you're getting through that one 216 feet thick this is heaven this is the real thing this isn't made up this isn't this isn't just some cute fairy tale this is a real place and you may not i don't think you realize how how tall 1400 miles and up would be Consider this, the average commercial airliner flies like seven miles high. Heaven's 1,400 miles from floor to top, from this end to that end. 1,400 miles in each direction. It's a big, big place. And he said, in my father's house are many mansions. And if you've ever wondered, well, how could you fit that many mansions into one? It's a pretty big place. It's, it's a big city. It's, it's huge. And so let's look here at verses 18 and 21. This is, again, these are just little things, just a couple little things to throw out there at you. 
But this is a kind of about the golden heaven. It says the wall, this 216 foot thick wall was made of jasper and the city was pure gold as clear as glass. And so any gold that we've seen in this world is probably junk compared to this gold. This is huge. And then he says the 12 gates were made of pearls, each gate from a single pearl. That's a big gate right there. I mean, and that's a big pearl. This is incredible. And there's 12 gates. And the main street was pure gold, as clear as glass. It's incredible. And, and I mean, how do you describe? We couldn't describe something like this. He, John's doing as best he can right here. But, but gold as, as, as pure and clear as glass, but it's gold. I mean, it's incredible. But my favorite thing is this, Revelation 21 and verse 4. Revelation 21 and verse 4 about heaven. It says, He will wipe every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. That's it, man. Heaven, there's no pain. There's no sorrow. There's no crying. There's no death. All those things are destroyed and done away with forever. Why wouldn't you want to think about some place like that? Why would you want to focus on all the stupid things going on in this world when you could focus on something like that? Now, I realize how difficult it can be for us to keep our eyes in the right direction. But I'm telling you what. You are never going to have the victory that you need in your life until you can learn to change your focus. You've got to change your focus. Because anybody can just sit there and, and, and say, well, the news said this, they said this, and they over, I heard this over here. Who cares? I heard that God loves me. I heard that God said He's going to supply all my needs according to His riches and glory. I heard that God said by Jesus' stripes I'm healed. I heard that God said He wants me to prosper and be in health even as my soul prospers is what I heard today. And if your focus is on the right area, man, it is going to be hard for anybody in this world to keep dragging you down. And so the whole thing, whatever it is you're going through, learn to stare at the invisible. Amen? Let's go ahead and stand up together tonight. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.